the Mike Tomlin Game Day Podcast with Steelers Digest Editor Bob Labriola. Okay, Coach, in talking about Kevin Dotson at your news conference uh, last Tuesday, you said, quote, there is some angst there, so if he is called upon this week, it's going to take a tremendous effort by him and by us. And by us, I mean us putting him in the very best position to perform so there is some dual responsibility there. Uh, how do you put a right guard in the very best position to perform? You know, we're just thoughtful about the schematics or, or the play selection that we call. Some plays challenge individuals or in, individual positions more than others, and so we have control over that. You know, you can run play-action passing game that ensures that he has help. You can run play-action passing game that puts him on an island. And so when you're working with a guy that has the level of inexperience that he has, um, you know, I just want to make the point that we're not putting him out there and hoping for the best, that we're engaged in his first time playing process with him and that we're doing things thoughtfully to, to, to raise the floor, if you will, to give him a, a solid chance of performing at a high level. Uh, in a situation where you have to put a rookie into a regular season game, is the angst more about the physical demands he'll be facing or the mental ones? Surely it's the, it's the mental demands. You know, these guys are here because of their physical talent. They're all above the line from a physical talent standpoint. The things that they lack in, in regards to in-game play or experience is that, uh, the experience and the knowledge that comes with the experience where they can anticipate and have some sense of what situational ball means and and how that narrows the field in terms of the things that they have to deal with. Those experienced things, the things that only playing the game provides you. Um, but everyone has to start somewhere. We don't let that slow us down in terms of the process. We just move forward thoughtfully in an effort to best support them. Zach Banner had surgery on his knee on Friday and was placed on the injured reserve list. Uh, have you spoken to him about his situation, his future, offered any words of what he's about to be going through? going through over the next several months? I have, and we've, we've, we've spoken very openly, you know. And we, and we talk about the things that we talk about collectively all the time. You know, it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to it. And so it's unfortunate that, that he has the knee injury. But the most important thing as we sit here today is uh, how he responds to it, uh, how he fights through recovery and rehabilitation. And I'm excited about watching him reveal his character through those actions. When it comes to the division of labor for running backs, why are you in favor of the bell cow approach? Because I believe in most cases, backs warm up to the action over the course of the game, meaning they find a level of comfort. They see the holes more fluidly. Um, they understand the nature of some of their physical matchups and, and they get to wage the war of attrition on, on potential or would-be tacklers. You know, the guys that have featured runner characteristics generally all um, – bring those type of characteristics to play. And so you want to give them an opportunity to, to get in that flow and to get in that rhythm and to see that manifest itself in, in how they carry the football. Uh, I thought it showed over the course of the game with Benny Snell last week um, between, you know, carry 10 and 19, where you really saw uh, an extreme level of comfort in his play and vision and, and ball placement and thus production. Since you brought up Benny Snell, uh, did he do anything against the Giants to make you either reconsider the bell cow approach or maybe make you think about who the bell cow should be? You know, I, I, think he's, I think he's stated a solid case for himself not only Monday night but throughout this whole process. I think any of us that had the, the opportunity to watch team development, and I know it wasn't open to the fans, but 
what he did Monday night was was very reminiscent of how he's been throughout this entire process. So, you know, we are cognizant of his capabilities and we are, and we do plan to utilize him, um, but we still have a bell cow mentality. We acknowledge that like Monday night, it could be him on any given week. Are there bell cows on defense? And if there are, if there is a player similar, uh, you know, comparable to, um, you know, a, a running back on offense, who would that be in your it, mind? It, it's, the, it's, the, it's the animal that hunts the running back. It's the all-situations linebacker. Uh, it's Devin Bush for us now. It was Ryan Shazier um, before that. Oftentimes, those are the guys that carry the green dot in terms of coach-to-player communication because they are in the game in all circumstances and just about all personnel packages. So the all-situation linebacker is the counterpart to that bell cow runner. Uh, I want to take you back to the Giants game here for a minute. The play that T.J. Watt made on his second quarter interception against the Giants. Uh, was he freelancing then when he dropped back into coverage, or was that his assignment based on the defense call? I think freelancing would be a misdescription of it. Um, he was scheduled to rush on the down, but as an edge rusher, uh, we give him the latitude to pull out when he sees or feels rhythm passing. And that's the passing that happens so quick that the rush becomes irrelevant anyway. And oftentimes, as indi indicated by formation structure, um, by the sets of the protectors and things of that nature, he is a very aware player. So he picked up on some rhythm passing clues and he aborted his rush and put himself in the throwing lane. And that's one of the many reasons why we moved him to left outside linebacker. Just that level of awareness puts him in position to, to affect the game in ways like that. Right-handed rhythm passers, he has an opportunity to bat or, or intercept passes. Uh, misdirection passing that occurs in a lot of offenses that goes to their right. Um, his awareness and, and, and cognitive abilities really help him and help us in play. Has he made a step forward in that area that you're just describing, the, the recognition, the feel? You know, those kind of things that come with that position? You know, I think I, I felt the significant step a year ago. I think the things that we're seeing and feeling now is just more, more of a continuation of what we saw last year. Staying with the outside linebackers here just for a minute, what did you see in Bud Dupree a few years ago that indicated he would turn into the kind of player he has become? You know, he brings a, he brings a work ethic um, that's really consistent. He's a, he's, a, he's a craftsman, meaning that he works at the skills of his trade and has continually improved them. Uh, he was a hybrid player at Kentucky. He played outside linebacker, but he did a lot of things. And so he had a lot of room for growth in terms of some of the technical expertise, and he's been consistent in improving those over the course of his stay here. And I think that's why we've seen the continual rise in his production to match his, his awesome talent. And so, um, man, all the roads are converging, if you will, and He's a guy that's in his mid to late 20s and is coming together for him and coming together for him in a big way. Uh, your tandem of outside linebackers right now could be your best since James Harrison and Lamar Woodley of the 2008 vintage. About those two, you once said that Harrison was Batman and Woodley was Robin. Of this duo, who's Batman? You know, I think the story is still out on those guys, you know. Um, I think it depends on what night um, they play. Uh, Monday night, Bud looked a lot like Batman, you know, but we've been in a lot of stadiums, obviously, where TJ is Batman, and, and that's what you want. You want one and one A. You want the type of tandem uh, that, that people can't game plan for, that guys that they have to equally respect. And I would imagine that the tape, though, that those two are consistently putting out 
these days merit that type of discussion and consideration? Based on having one game video of, uh, on the Broncos, did your preparation for them have a different emphasis than your preparation for the Giants did when you had no game videos on them? Really very similar um, in a couple of ways. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, they have a new coordinator in Pat Shermer. And so, you know, we, we did look at Monday night's game that they played in, but we also studied a lot of New York Giant tape uh, from 2019 because that's where he was, obviously. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, we were able to delve back into, into Denver Broncos 2019 tape for further study because they have continuity on that side of the ball with Coach Fangio uh, and Ed Donatel. So um, it was hybrid work depending on which phase of the game you were working in. Uh, but that is very normal for this time of year, and we're comfor comfortable in doing so. Uh, Mike Munchak spent five seasons here as your offensive line coach, and now he holds the same job with the Broncos. Is there anything, calls, whatever you have to change as a result of that? No, um, not not really. You know, the, the playing of, of the game is the playing of the game. I respect Munch and his capabilities and his knowledge and his expertise as it pertains to line play, but I would imagine – much has spent his week preparing to block Bud and TJ and not necessarily um, helping their defense deal with some of the things that their defense has to deal with. So you don't, you're not uh, someone who believes in the fact that the, there's information that he could share about your players or your schemes that could have an impact on Sunday's outcome. You know, there, there, there's potentially some information, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of fluidity in today's game. There are players coming and going, you know, uh, we had Paxton Lynch here who had come from uh, Denver, for example. Um, that's just part of the game today, uh, particularly when there's intimate knowledge about those that you compete against because we're such a small fraternity from a coaching standpoint. Regardless of whether Munch is working for us or Denver um, or whoever, I know his philosophical approach uh, to line play, to run game development, just like he knows my philosophical approach to elements of play and when you have relationships with people around the league over time and, and the movement associated with, with our game at this level, that type of intimate knowledge is really kind of commonplace. Um, it might merit some attention because Munch was here for five years and that's just the type of fodder or the commentary that happens in, in terms of play-by-play. -play. Um, but you could tell that story any and every week. Last week we played the New York Giants. Amos Jones spent five or six years here in a special teams capacity, for example. And I'm sure you, you could say that again and again uh, in subsequent weeks um, if you were looking for an argument along those lines.